the story of my life. No respect. That doesn't get no respect at all. The story of my life. No respect. That doesn't get no respect at all. They couldn't score and fell flat. And the 40 shots on goal was 40 shots on goal was a little deceiving. Yeah. And even though they had some really good opportunities, surprisingly, they need to play with that intensity. If those last three, four minutes, the Rangers sometimes don't play at their best level against lower-tier teams. Here's Johnny! Nope, this is Ranger Proud, Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud, here on the Bleed Blue Show. What's going on, Ranger Proud, RP, what up, man? How you doing? Got Glenn with us, got Scott with us, talk some blue shirts, uh, get to the rest of the Indian show later, but you got to be happy with the Lafayette uh, signing, huh? Lafayette. Yeah. Little, it took him a little bit of time, but yeah, good good signing. Now yeah. now the team's set, unless something unforeseen happens in training camp, and a uh, couple more weeks, we're ready to go. Maybe we'll have some more Artemi Panera shootings out in overseas Bayon and <laughs> screw up everything. But we'll talk about all that. Get the guys on. We'll, we'll talk about the contract first. Glenn, what's up, man? How you doing? Say hello to the people, man. Hey, I'm doing fine, guys. Also happy to see that Lafreniere signed the uh, exact term and the exact money that he could have signed on July 2nd. So I don't know what the holdup was, but at least we got him uh, – <laughs> At least we got him under contract now, and, uh, you know, we can look forward to the beginning of training camp. Yeah, there was no rush on that. Like, they, the Rangers, there was no rush on that. So, it got done, and we knew they had time. So, that's what it came down to. Let's go to Scott and get a start. Scott, what's up, man? How you doing? Say hello, and then we'll start with RP and we'll get into the depths of this contract. Yeah, good evening, all. It's uh, it's good to be back. I'm uh, I missed the last two. I was in Aruba four weeks ago. I don't remember where I was two weeks ago, but in any case, it's good to be back here, uh, off season or not. But we are slowly, uh, not slowly. We are we are quickly getting towards uh, uh, the uh, the real deal. So I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. Uh, yeah, I'm happy that uh, that they signed Lafreniere. And I, you know what? I love that they signed him for two years. And you know, this is going to be a really pessimistic reason. Uh, don't get me wrong like I'm, I, I I hope that this is the season where you know all of a sudden he's a brand new player and he's the guy that we were hoping that we were going to get from him but really I don't want to use, I stopped myself short from using the term realistically, but I'm saying if for, he's not, if it's more of the same and it just turns out that he's just going to be nothing but an average guy, the fact that he signed for two years rather than one makes him tradable in that he would not be a rental, which means that Drury would hold the cards uh, in the event it comes to that, uh, in that, you know, it's not a one-year bridge deal, meaning he'd be a free agent, and, you know, meaning he'd have less leverage, so he'd hold the leverage. So, I, again, I apologize. I know that's a, a pessimistic way to look at it, but, you know, I'm praying for the best with this kid, but I, I, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm just not – I'm not optimistic. I'm really not. I, I hate the bust yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's just – yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. We we know. I mean, the feeling is mutual. We'll, we'll go to RP and get his thoughts on the signing. Go back down to Glenn and then you, Scott. And I mean, I, I think that's part of the, the balance in this conversation. We're not going to be oh wow, oh my God, we signed them. We're going to the Stanley Cup. I mean, we hopefully are, but I mean, it's not like you, you know what I'm saying. We we know we see the talent, and I think the deal is fair based on what we know. Uh, RP, go ahead and get your thoughts on, on the signing because I know we talked about this about a month ago. Like, why the deal had not happened? And the way I looked at it, the Rangers held all the cards. Like, 
they were knowing Rush, the sign, like, well, who's the suitors, you know what I'm saying? So, but it got done, it, we're here, so your thoughts on P, and, and feel free to, you know, lead the conversation to Glenn and Scott. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it's a good signing, there was no Rush, but it was kind of weird, there was no Rush, but everyone knew the contract he was going to get, based on, on the salary cap, I don't know if there was, we had discussed, maybe there was a little discussion about years and length and this and that, but the Rangers retain control in two more years, will be in RFA again. If they want to move him, they can move him. There's a lot of pressure on him and on Kako, for that matter. Everyone's looking for that breakout season, and, you know, that'll be determined once we get going. But, I, I mean, obviously we like the signing. It was the last piece to the puzzle for this offseason. And, you know, now all that crap is done, and I'm, I'm ready just to get preseason going and then get line combinations going and all that fun stuff because, you know, it's been a drawn-out offseason. There hasn't been a lot going on. Okay, Andre Miller signing now the Lafayette. The Rangers made all their deals the first day of free agency. So now, now I'm just ready to go. I mean, it, as uh, excuse me, as Scott was saying, it, it's a good deal. It's a nice bridge deal. Um, Lafreniere now has an opportunity to really show what he can do. Um, we hope that he has that explosive season. We hope Laviolette uh, can can put him in a position where he could be successful. Same thing with Taco, for that matter. So I'm, I'm absolutely looking forward to the season. It's, it's time for hockey. I've never looked forward to preseason so much as I am right now. I'm tired of talking about it. Let's just get your team going. Oh, you're grumpy again. Camp. <laughs> you're grumpy yeah, again. Yeah, you know, I'm, 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 trying, I'm trying not to be grumpy again, guys. I'm, I'm in a good mood. So we're just going to go with that. But um, I guess, and, and I'll ask Glenn this first and then Scott, on paper, if the guys have the season that we hope they have, and that's all all of them, the top nine, I'm not including the fourth one, but scoring-wise, uh, is this team now good enough to go deep into the playoffs, or are there still question marks? Um, if you're asking me, can, if you're asking me. Yeah, I'm um, asking both of you. I, mean, I, I think they are. Uh, I mean, I thought they were last year. Um, you know, you uh, – I mean, we were looking forward to training camp last year at this time, too, after the year they had the year before. Uh, and they did have a re- good regular season. And, uh, you know, we all saw what happened against the Devils. But uh, I, mean, I, I think this team uh, is probably actually stronger uh, than they were last year with uh, the additions of uh, some of the uh, uh, guys that they got, and Blake Wheeler. And, uh, you know, so, so I, I think this team certainly has the capability of going deep into the playoffs. Uh, particularly since you've got, you know, some teams that are getting better, but, uh, you know, aren't probably going to be a real threat yet. Um, you've got the Bruins, who uh, uh, pretty much got dismantled since the end of their record season, so I don't think they're going to be, you know, as good, certainly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when you, when you take a, a quick look around the, uh, the conference, um, you know, I think this team can compete with anybody the way they're structured right now. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, especially with Lafreniere, you know, just to throw something in, I mean, to me, this is a key year for him. Uh, and I think, you know, I'm not uh, revealing any secrets there. Uh, this is going to be his uh, third coach that he's going to be working under. And, uh, you know, depending on uh, how Laviolette deploys him, um, I think this is a season where at the end of this year, we're going to, you know, we keep saying we don't know what we have, we don't know what we have. I think at the end of this year, we should have a pretty good idea of what we have and uh, what they want to do with him going forward. Scott, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm very optimistic, and I agree with Glenn. I'm, I'm more optimistic about the team that they're starting the season with than I was at the beginning of last season. Because <clears throat> remember, we had that great run, and then we knew going into the season that we had those two right-wing holes with um, with Vetrano and Comp leaving. We knew that we had those holes. And this year, I don't think we have those holes. Um yeah, in a perfect world, would a you know a non-hip surgery cane and Tarasenko resign made me feel great? Yeah, of course. Uh, even with the uh, you know the disappointing end, I think on you know I think that was one of the questions a few uh, a few weeks ago that somebody posed, and probably you, RP, I think uh, said like you know would you if you had the option if money wasn't an object uh, and you had the option of starting the season with the exact same team we ended last year, would you want to? And I said overwhelmingly yes. But in any case, that's not where we're at. But I think with, with, with the addition of Wheeler and and Kako, another year uh, another year better because because uh, you know unlike Lafreniere, he has been showing noticeable improvement. I think he's ready to rock on the top six now. Uh, hopefully, uh, with a guy like uh, Laviolette can uh, you know can can embrace that and and and, and make sure that he is ready because I think he is. So we don't have those uh, uh, you know with Kako and, and Wheeler, we don't have those two top six right wing holes uh, to start the season that we had last year. So I think this is a better team. I'm glad that we uh, were able to hold on to Goodrow. Uh, we know, we know what we got in DZ yeah. and, you know, it's spectacular fourth liner right there. Uh, so I like that fourth line there. I would have liked to have kept Mop, but I think with VZ and, and Goodrow, I think that's enough, uh, you know, power there for, you know, firepower on that fourth line that whoever, I don't, I mean, I know we have a third one there. I think we'll be fine there. Cause, cause we know two of the, two of those three, uh, you know, returning that we absolutely love on that fourth line. Um, you know, who I, yeah, I, I think those holes are fixed. You know, where they put everybody remains to be seen. I would not be upset if I, I mean, I love Trocek. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love the guy. I thought he was a phenomenal all year long. Great improvement over Strom. That being said, if they get flip flop, if Heedle, you know, has a, you know, insane, you know, uh, you know, he's been showing great progress too. And if he has a, a great training camp to the point where Laviolette wants to put him on the second line and Trocek on the third, I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that because as we learn with the kid line, um, you know, our third line he doesn't get as much time as the first two lines, but our third line gets, you know, adequate ice time. So if it comes to that, I'm okay. I mean, you know, I, I, I try. I got to trust in Laviolette uh, that that he'll figure out where everybody can can be maximized. Uh, yeah, I, I I think this is a better team on paper than we had going in to last year. And last year we hung around in you know just on the border of of contender and uh, and, and bubble status. Uh, you know, until we got those those additions, but I think we're a better team going in, and I think, uh, you know, I think we're a contender status to start, and, you know, there's still a lot of question marks uh, that, that can only be, like, for the better. You know, Brendan Ottman, of course, things like that, uh, that we that right now we're, we're assuming he probably won't be make the team or, or, or be, you know, if he does, be, like, a huge impact, but he may very well be. So, uh, yeah, very optimistic. I, 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 I like what we're putting on the ice to start the year. And now, what do you got to say about that, Chief? Oh, I wanted to go back to Scott because I thought he had more rants on Lafreniere. Like, I, I want him to speak my conscience real quick on Lafreniere, <laughs> if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, he already took my, all, everything else out of my mind with, with the good points of him and Glenn. Scott, you have anything else you want to say about Lafreniere? Because I know you, were, you let off really hard on him. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm being, I'm being I like I said, I want nothing more than to be proven wrong because as we all know, with social media Ranger fans, there's plenty out there that actually want mm-hmm. a player to bust just so they can rant and rave and say, I told you so on social media. You know, that, that these are actual Ranger fans. We all know those types. I remember a guy, his name was Bob, this, this guy, I'm not no longer friends with him, but used to make celebratory posts when, you know, to later in Lundquist's career when he would get, because he was so upset about his contract, he would make celebratory posts when, when, you know, when Lundquist would have a bad game, uh, you know, just so he could say, I, I told you so, and I was right for, you know, for the, I never understood that. So don't get me wrong. I want <laughs> nothing more than to have a call one, you know, halfway through the season because Lafreniere is on pace for 68 goals. I want everybody to unload on me. Believe me, I want that. Let me ask all you guys that real quick about that. What is it? Okay, under Lafreniere, what is a good point total for uh, Laffy going to this year? I mean, multiple coaches, like Glenn said. I mean, he had, what, 39 last year? Like, what, what's a good mark for him under this contract? If you guys could quickly answer, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you my thoughts. Harvey, what are your thoughts? Well, he had, a, a point, a, a point he threshold. Had, he, had, he had 39 last year. I got to think 50 or 55 is a dramatic jump in point yeah. status. For him, I, I'm looking in that 50-point range. Um, he's, you know, he had a career year last year. He, he's proven that he has that grit when he's on the ice. I just think he needs a little bit more ice time. He needs a little bit more confidence. And I, I think obviously the coach to do it. So I, I would think in that 50, 55 point range, coming off a 39 point season, can, can you really ask for much more of a jump in point status in, in one season to another? So I'm in that 50, 55 range. All right, we'll go to Glenn and get his thoughts. So RP says uh, Matt Zuccarello territory, uh, Glenn. <laughs> you know, that's going to get Scott mm-hmm. but there's a good chance. But your thoughts, he, where, where, where should Scott <laughs> be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I agree. I, I would grade him hard. I want to see 55. Uh, again, it's going to depend on, uh, you know, where he's playing and who he's playing with. Um, you know, I, I'm sure we'll get into uh, what the lines are going to look like uh, in the next few weeks, but I mean, I'd like to see him on that second line. And, you know, like Scott was saying, uh, if Trocek lines up on the third line, put him with Kreider and, um, you know, whomever else, maybe VZ. I think the other fourth line names that uh, Scott was looking for and I was looking for, too, were uh, uh, the pickups of, of Nick Benino and Tyler Pitlick. Uh, so, you know, you could conceivably uh, make a line, a third line with uh, uh, Trocek, Kreider, and VZ. Uh, and then maybe, you know, reunite the kid line as, as a second line. Uh, but whatever, you know, if he gets more deployment, you know, uh, at least in the beginning of the season, I would like to see him be given a chance in the beginning of the season to prove that he's taken this off season seriously, worked on his skating, worked on his, uh, you know, I don't want to say his attitude because he's usually got a pretty good uh, attitude, but sometimes, you know, he's got a, a tendency to disappear in, in some games where you don't really notice him. I want to see more consistency. And I'd like to see, you know, through Thanksgiving, uh, see him on the second line, put him on the power play a little bit more, uh, and give him a chance to show that he's taken this ser- season seriously. If he's not, well, then, you know, we'll, we'll look at something different. But, um, you know, I'm looking, if he gets that kind of deployment, uh, I would uh, – I'd would like to see 55 plus points from him this year. And I know that's a big jump, but you know, that's what I'd like to see. Hey Scott, can you quickly right, answer, Scott, that, that answer real quick? Yeah, real quick. So I can get him my thoughts. 
Um, I, I'm going to say 60. I mean, I know, you know, a 20-point increase is a lot, but for who this kid is, and, you know, and, and here, here you go, Steve. I'm going to be a little harder on him now. Um, for who this kid is and the expectations, you know, and, yes, he's only 21, but don't forget this. This is his fourth season, three full seasons. I want to see – you know, him resemble like Jack Hughes. You know, I think it's time to stop, to stop with the Jack Hughes mm. and, uh, and Kako, but, but I will compare Lafreniere uh, to him uh, or, you know, in what he's supposed to be. And, and I want to see, I want to see 60 uh, out of him. He's in his fourth full season. Uh, I, I, you know, if he's going to not be a bust, I think 60 points is not a lot to ask out of him. And, and if he's supposedly going to be uh, on the top six. That's you know what? I will, I will sign up for 60. I don't think he he will get there. But if he was to get there, to Glenn's point, um, and this is where I want to see where the young the young kids, the kid line gets more ice time, because I think they're going to be a catalyst or need to be the catalyst to get you through the regular season. Uh, and I want to see, because we could do all kind of line combinations to her blue in the face. But so I actually see it on the uh, ice in regular season action. And I think it's really going to come down to that like I said last year, and I think when they went away from that, it kind of hurt them, especially when they had nothing to play for uh, later in the season and then went, ran into a, a hot Devils team. Um, should they, to answer your question, RP, should they go deep? Yeah, they should go deep. I think entering the season, they are a little bit better than they were last year entering the season. As of right now, I do not think they are better than what we had on paper at the trade deadline. I think with the rental, we didn't uh-huh. know the Kane situation with the hit like that. But I thought that was their their chance or their t- their time to really make a really run for the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Um, going deep, yeah, but um, there's a lot of question marks with other teams in the league, and it's really hard to read them right now. So I would say uh-huh. yes, and I would say 55 points for Lafreniere is not hard to ask for if you give him second line minutes. And and it's hard to say, and obviously it's not hard to say. I uh, Scott brought it up that um, compared him to Jack Hughes. To me, Jack Hughes is just a better skater, a better attacker, especially blue line in that Lafreniere is kind of more of the winger on the outside. As he's more physical, he's more of a two-way player. It is it's kind of sucks because the situation is we had our great draft positions, but they weren't really world beater, like generational talents in those drafts. So I understand Ranger fans from a, oh, man, we drafted a number one overall guy. He's a bust. But in that draft, it wasn't, like like Scott has always said, it wasn't no Mario Lemuse. It wasn't no Wayne Gretzky. Right. It wasn't no, mm-hmm. it was that level, uh, you know, of level of economy Davis. It wasn't that level at the top pick, and we just, you know, had that and it became that. So it's just a, a matter of circumstance that we took what we thought was the best available player. He's been bouncing around on different parts of the line, different Left wing, right wing, up and down. But um, uh, yeah, like Scott said, showing proof. I think I don't think fifty-five points is much to ask for, but definitely should definitely be higher than what thirty-nine points from this past season, RP. Okay, well, let, let me just throw this out there now, Steve, since the four core of our group are here. You guys write down or let's keep track of these point projections that we just said, because on the twelfth. In two weeks when we talk, we're going to have New York Newsday's Ranger beat writer Colin Stevenson on with us. And we're going to ask him the same question. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Colin's going to come on with us. He's going to talk all Ranger hockey, all 
how he thought the offseason going, what he thinks Laviolette brings to the team. He's been following the team for a while now, and uh, he's going to join us, and I want to ask him that same question, mainly since we've seen all over Ranger Twitter, all this talk with Kyle going with Lafreniere and how this is the season that they need to break out. And I, I want to hear what the Ranger beat writer who's around the team every day and at practices and talking with players and coaching staff and so forth, what he's heard, what he believes. And, uh, yeah, that, we're going to have him on in two weeks. Colin Stevenson's going to join us. So spread the word. Uh, I hope everyone joins and listens. It's, it's going to be a great show. And uh, I spoke with him the other day. He's looking forward to coming on and, and talking with us. And also, it should be a blast. Well, that, that sounds awesome. We're going big time. We're going big time. We got we got the man. Uh, he's yeah. He's a he's a funny guy. Whenever there's a shootout, we're going to bring that up too because, like myself, that man despises the shootout and what it brings to life. So I got to remember to bring that up because whenever the shootout goes, I, I always remember when Rick Campanella was still writing for the Rangers before he retired. As soon as the shootout came, me, him, and Rick would be like, you know, when's it going to end? Who's going to do it? Why do we have to go through this again? The whole let's extend overtime conversation that came up, so it, it should be a, a good conversation overall, just to get a real insider on on Rangers hockey. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and you guys come ready with your questions. So it's going to be well, uh, um, going to be a shooting gallery. I want to bang it with every question we can and just hear what he has to say. So if, when it comes to the shootout, I could definitely bring that up as a topic on this episode as well at the uh, rest of the NHL. Right. If you guys want to dig in on. The rules, the shootouts, the, the, the you know, the you know how to you know in the overtimes and all that. So we could definitely talk about it in the overtime or the second part of the show today. But yeah, we'll have those questions lined up for him, no problem. Um, so yeah, uh, as far as Lavier, uh, RP, if anything else you'd like to add, we have not said. I think we kind of covered the, pretty much the basis. But what do you mean? Let me ask you this, RP. What is Lafreniere's mindset from a from you as a account? You know, you're, you write for the Rangers and well, what do you think his mindset is? You know, if you had to, you know, talk to him right now uh, after what happened, you know, I, I the, wait off, the wait off for the summer. So what are your thoughts? Yeah. I, I, I think him and Kako, you know, they're always in the same conversation. That's why I keep including them. I, I think Lafreniere knows the importance of the upcoming season. He was in some trade talks. He was in a couple of rumors about an offer letter. I, I think he knows that he got, he might have been able to get more of a bridge there if he was a little bit more productive. But I also think he realizes now that these two years are, are critical for his career. You know, does he want to be in, in the top tier or does he want to be in that lower echelon, still an NHL player, but not the status of a first rounder? I, I think he carries that weight on his shoulder a lot. So I, I think, you know, he always has a good attitude on the ice, but as, as Glenn said, sometimes he does appear invisible, a la Chris Kreider at moments. And I, I think he needs to be more engaged. I want to see that feisty side that you see out of him once in a while. I want to see him drive into the net and cause and havoc. The little post-whistle scrums and all. I, I think that gets his game going when he gets physical. If you think mm-hmm. about it, in the games when he gets feisty, he seems to get himself driven to get more shots on net, go drive to the cage a lot more. And, and that's his game. He can shoot. He's got a great shot. He's got a great hockey IQ. But he hasn't seemed able to put it all together at the same time. And I think now, you know, like Scott was saying, this will be his fourth season. Yes, a third different coach. But you want to know something? 
at the end of the day, fundamental hockey is fundamental hockey. You're on the third line. You're getting sufficient, pretty good ice time. I think if he played better, he, he can get up into the top top two lines. Right now with the ranges, the top three are, lines can be anybody. You know, I, I personally mm-hmm. think you're going to see Trocheck centering Kreider and Gaudreau on the third line and have VC, Pitlick, and um, who was the other one, Glenn? Um, Bob Benino. Nick Benino. Yeah, and Benino as, as the fourth line to start. That's just my impression. I think it's time to take more advantage of what Goodrow brings to the game every day. Mm. And he's a good player, but I think he's better than a fourth-line player. He's won a Stanley Cups. He's a small player. He can skate and keep up with a Trocek and a Kreider. He's got a good shot. He's really good on the ice seeing what's going on. So I like to see him off the fourth line if possible and get some more ice time. That's why I'm looking forward to preseason because I think this preseason mm-hmm. is huge for Lafreniere. Because this will remember, Offen's going to be up in preseason. Contract or not, if Offen has this preseason that people keep thinking he can have and he's going to force to where he can, it's going to be Lafreniere that's on the block. I really don't think it's yep. going to be Taco. Yeah. You got it. You're not going. You're not going to put Offen on the fourth line. So those three guys are, are set. So you look at the top nine forwards. You can't really look at the centers. I understand that. So let's take away Zimbanejad, Hedo, and Trocek just for the time being of talking. Now you've got six forwards. Can Austin knock one of them out? It's probably going to have Lafreniere looking over his shoulder most of the preseason. But mm-hmm. if he plays the style of hockey that he plays, then Austin will go down to the HL where he probably needs a little bit of time down there, as great as a player as he is. And he's a small player. He'll bite his time. He won't be one of those guys that will bitch and moan that he, he's going to the Wolfpack. He'll bite his time knowing that first injury or that, un, you know, surprise trade that happens. He's going to be that next call-up. So I, I think the mentality of Lafreniere is to have his best camp that he's had and, and get into the opening night route, which right now he's on, and, and then really just start producing. The contract is done. You can't worry about trade talk and rumor because you can't control that. So why worry about things you can't control? He can control what he does on the ice every game. And and that's where I think his mentality is. Okay. Anybody else want to speak? Okay. Let me just quickly add yeah. this part. Okay. Uh, again, yeah. And then Glenn, you could take it and run, with, run away with it. My other concern, I think, it's always with any team, any sport, and I think this is where we've seen the Rangers take a little bit of a stumble. Like when Hedo gets hurt or we, when we see him get hurt, we've seen the, the Rangers kind of take a dip in play because when it seems like it looks like he's under the corner, the team turns the corner, that's kind of mm-hmm. always a concern. Like when specifically a guy like that gets hurt, how do the Rangers make up for that? Because sometimes it feels like when he gets hurt, it feels like the Rangers start sputtering out. And it's not like he's the best player, but he's a player that kind of is a catalyst to where, where they want to go. So I just want to put that on the table, Glenn. Any thoughts on that and anything else with R.P. said and with Scott? Yeah, yeah uh, R.P. talking about Osman. I'd like to see Osman start uh, in, in Hartford. Um, I believe that, you know, this is not a team – that has uh, a lot of openings and is a, a bubble playoff team where, you know, you would take a guy like that and just plug him in and, and let him run. Um, you know, this is the same situation when Paco and, and Lafreniere and, and Hedl came up. Uh, there weren't really openings for them to get the ice time that you would want to give them that a lot of 
uh, you know, higher draft picks get because they're going to teams that, you know, frankly are not very good. Uh, so I'd like to see Osman, particularly since he's a left wing, uh, I'd like to see him start uh, down in the minors. I don't know if the Rangers are going to play around with seeing if they can turn him into a right wing because uh, Wheeler is on, I believe, a one-year deal. Uh, so, you know, that might be something that they could experiment with him down in Hartford rather than what they've tried with, uh, you know, Kreider and with Lafreniere uh, up in the NHL. So I don't know if that's something that might be uh, in their heads. Um, and and uh, also, as RP said, uh, Othman will have Lafreniere looking over his shoulder. However, if Lafreniere uh, reacts well to that, and pushes his game up another notch. Uh, maybe, RP, you can answer this question. Uh, maybe it's not Lafreniere that becomes expendable in, in a year. Maybe it's Kreider. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I think his contract has a no-move clause, but then becomes a, a limited no-move clause after a number of years. Uh, so, you know, if Lafreniere, he's really got an opportunity here. He's got an opportunity to play tough six minutes uh, to really show what he can do and solidify his, his spot on this team and, and maybe have Kreider uh, be the one, if they're not going to try to move Osman to right wing, uh, maybe have Kreider be the one that's going to, uh, uh, you know, be in a little bit of danger. Uh, but as far as Lafreniere goes, one last word on him. As a fan, I don't want to have this deployment argument anymore. I don't want to have the argument of, well, he hasn't really been, you know, too good, but you'd expect, yeah, but he hasn't had power play time, and he's been on the third line, and he keeps getting – I want to end that argument this year. I, I, I want to see him, like I said, first couple of months of the season, just put him out there, second line, and let him fly. And let's see what he can do. By Thanksgiving, if it's just not happening, then, all right, then we kind of know. But – I want to end that argument as a Ranger fan for the fourth year in a row of whether it's the deployment or whether it's the player that is being, uh, you know, creating this unsatisfactory situation. So um, that's kind of a goal for me. We'll talk about it before the season starts, but that's kind of a goal for me for the first couple of months of the season, and hopefully it is for uh, Drury and and, uh, Laviolette too. Uh, that's, that's an interesting side note. Kreider does have a, as of September 2024, has a 15-team no-move list that would be implied mm-hmm. if he wanted to move him. Mind you, mm-hmm. he'll be a 33-year-old at that time making 6.5 a year. It'll be a tough move. And he's an original Ranger. There'll be a lot of heat on him to, to, to move him after the contract that they gave him. So... I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I just think there's a lot more to playing to playing to that. I mean, it, it's a big salary cap it for any team that yeah, signs them. So I, I could see what you're saying. I, you know, just with the conversation of him probably going down to the third line, which with the formation of the team might not be as bad. I just don't know if if they would do that. I just don't yeah, think they would have the yeah, I mean, to, to do that. I agree with you. It, you know, but Lafreniere would have to have an incredible season that season to even consider yeah. keeping him and trading a Kreider. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't that's, know if I that mean, that's happen. Not, I mean, it's going to happen not, somewhere, right, guys? Somewhere he's going to go. Kreider's going to have that big decline at every 
player goes through yeah. at some point. It's just a matter of where. But man, that that he would Lafreniere would have to have the sixty points at least that Scott was talking about to even consider it. Well, that's not something I had thought about or you know kind of thought through all the ramifications of it. I, your comments about Lafreniere looking over his shoulder at Oppen, uh just a few minutes ago is what kind of sparked that in me that. You know, if Lafreniere really comes through the way we'd like him to, it, it may not be Lafreniere. It might be Kreider. But that that yeah. was something that I just thought of when you were talking. I, I didn't really, you know, think all the through. And, and it's funny, you know, in order for Austin to, outside of an injury, in order for Austin to crack the lineup after the season starts, someone's got to move, right? Someone's got to go. Right. Yep. So, you know, and I don't think moving him to the right wing and, and Scott, you know, correct me if you think I'm wrong. I don't want to see him going to the right wing when he's been so damn successful on the left side everywhere he's played. Yeah, it's like right yeah. through with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but Scott, then you're going to have the think? same. Then you're going to have the same situation. Even if you do move Kreider, then you're going to have Lafreniere and and Osman. One of them is going to be playing on the third line, and not really getting power play time. I mean, he might if you move Kreider, but. You know, you're going to have the same situation we have now where we're overstacked at left wing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, maybe it's something we can ask Colin Stevenson next week if he's heard any talk about them experimenting with Austin at right wing. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's actually in training camp back at St. Peterborough. He's already on the mm-hmm. ice getting ready for Ranger training camp. So mm-hmm. this, this kid's gunk home, man. Scott, what do you think? Uh, any ideas, any suggestions? Do we like it? Not yeah, like it? I, I agree with you guys in that I don't want, I don't like moving a guy to his not natural wing. Uh, I can't really think of anybody in, uh, you know, specifically Rangers' recent history who got moved to their unnatural position and became a star there. I guess so, you know, I, I don't want to see that. And um, yeah, and also RP, thank you for pointing out uh, the Ottman situation, because when I said earlier that if it came to it with the two-year deal, if it came to, to dealing him, it wasn't necessarily because he was a bust. It was well, a mm-hmm. combination of that, and if Ottman hits the ground and is all of a sudden a stud, and we know he's going to be a stud off the bat, and then yes, we have too many. We have, uh, we have four right. solid left wings, yes, uh, it, it would, if Ottman is clearly the better guy, uh, that means trading Lafreniere. And, and again, like Glenn said, I don't want to have be having this conversation of, okay, which guy sucks that needs to go. I want to be having the conversation of, wow, we've got too many badass left wings on this team. Right. <laughs> so I really hope we're having this conversation later. They're, yep. they're fighting each other for ice time, and they're fighting each other for the, for the lead on the team. Uh, uh, believe me, I want to yeah. be having that conversation. Um, but yes, if it, it, it comes to that, uh, you know, Ot- Ot- I mean, if Ottman makes the team, he and Lafreniere very well, very well, maybe uh, competing for not only a starting spot, but uh, for a Rangers jersey in general. And I and I think, excuse me, I think competition is great. I think yeah. if Ottman pushes Lafreniere to be better and get him to the level that the organization is excited to see him reach, well, then it all worked out. So I don't I don't say it in a bad way when I say Lafreniere is looking over his shoulder. Sometimes that that competitive edge gets you into another gear, and he's going to have to show that in preseason. Where some people say, well, preseason just to get the guys on the ice, not for a team that's already got pretty much their lineup set. You know, with a guy looking to you know to bust it up a little bit. 
So I, I think it's good for everyone. Hey, I, I think even though Kako's on the other side, uh, the other wing, the heat's on him a little bit too. It, it, he's improved, not as much as Hito's improved through his younger years with the Rangers, but the way he ended last season and all, I'm sure everybody was happy with it. And there are a lot of rumors Kako's looking to playing on the top line this year. And this is just my opinion that LaViolette's going to be doing the kids on. I think he knows he's got to split that up and get them to play with whomever gets the best out of each player. And with that, uh, you know, I, I'm seeing rumors that Kako will be up on the top line with, with Dibanejad. I'm not sure about the other uh, the other side. But we're going to see, you know, how that shakes out. I, I think, you know, which we at LaViolette, we just talked about this from when they signed LaViolette. It's almost a win the cup now kind of year. It's almost like, it's almost like the Yankees. We're here to make it. Hey, hey, easy now. Yeah, easy otherwise, now. Easy now. Yeah. Well, not this, not this year, but in years past, you know, it's that mentality. And that's hard for a first-year coach to come into an original six team with all that pressure on them. We don't want to – making the playoffs isn't the goal for New York Rangers. It's getting to the Eastern Conference final and or the Stanley Cup final. That, that's a tough thing to come into when pretty much your lineup and your house is all but set before you arrive. So I, I think competition brings out the best in everybody. And I also believe at the end of the day, and I, I know you guys would agree, 12 needs to be on the lineup. The best 12 needs to be on, on the ice. And if it's not Lafreniere or if it's not Kako, hey, if it's a struggling Chris Kreider, well, then so be it. But this, you can't get this theory of I'm playing Kreider because he's making 6.5 a year isn't good enough anymore. This organization wants a championship. We all want a championship. So if it's with Austin in there and someone else out, then I'm fine with it. But I agree. I don't want to be having a conversation on Twitter and, and here on this forum every week of, well, this guy's playing like crap. Why is he moving that? We, we've gone through that since Quinn's been around. And I think now is the time that – and I think a lot of it's the coach to do it. I, I think a lot of it's the coach – if, if someone's playing poor, he's going to sit them a little bit and, and and ring that bell a bit and say, you're off the ice right now because you suck. And we know you can be better. And I think a guy like Ackman is going to make everybody in front of him the preseason really get their asses in gear to play top hockey. And I think training camp is more than training camp this year. The, the expectations of to definitely do better than he did in the playoffs last year and, and further. So it, it's going to be a um, – every preseason shift is going to have a meaning for the coaching staff and for the players, which is something we haven't had the last couple of seasons. Well, that's because the way we bowed out to the Devils. I think last year the way we yep. got eliminated was such a lot of air released from the balloon – it still leaves a bad mm-hmm. taste in my mouth. Matter of fact, Scott and I had actually yeah. brought it up on a totally separate show, podcast, non-hockey show, on the fan-related shows on the, on, the, on the archives, about that. Like, this, everything goes back to what happened with the jersey and how they unexpectedly improved the way with that point turnaround. And, and let me say this, because mm-hmm. this has not been said on this episode tonight, and I think that we have to consider this. I believe Lafayette is a competitor, I think he was only moving around in the lineup, different left wing, right wing, because, of course, the the coaches asked him to do. That wasn't because of him. He was being a team player, and and I think that goes a long way because the alternative could have been 
hey, you're a left winger. Can you play right wing for us on the second line? And he could have said, hell no, I'm a left winger. You drafted me number one overall. You, I'm sticking right. around. He didn't do the asshole move. He didn't do the a-hole mm-hmm. move, so we got to give him credit. So it, this is really on the Rangers coaching staff, him bouncing around in the lineup just to say, okay, we need to complete these lines. It's almost a situation, RP, when we talk about years ago with Leith Anderson and Philip Hedl. When they were both drafted mm-hmm. in the same draft, one at number seven, one at number 21, the big expectations out of Leas Anderson, just to get Hedl in the lineup, they put him in left wing where he did okay, he struggled, but you saw the development of first week when they put him at center and Leas Anderson was out the door. So it was kind of a situation right. like that. Like sometimes guys, you if they're in their natural position, it takes time, muscle memory in the brain. They see the shift. They see the competition. Yeah. They see the game tape. And and I think Lafreniere, and I hate to make the excuses, but sometimes he was a victim of the situation of the, the coaches moving them around in the lineup. But and then also yeah. when you saw these guys, Wahido, Kako, and Lafreniere, when they played the majority of the minutes, the brunt of the TOI, the Rangers they were one of the better teams to compete with any team in the league. When they started diverting those minutes to the veterans' playoff time, it hurt the team because it was it became yep. about contracts. And that's what I kind of want to say. Right. That's, we can ask that question on the next episode. The plan. Get through, through the regular mm-hmm. season. Yeah, we know Lafayette is not going to be Conor David lights out. We, we, we get that. But it's also at the same time, what, if we talk about Kreider, Kreider's drop-off from two seasons ago with the power play goals right. or the, you know, the, the point mm-hmm. explosion, the goal explosion, especially with the deflections in front of the net. We, I mean, a lot of that was lost yeah. last year. What happened with that? I mean, it's just a domino effect on how, the, how they played the players during the regular season. They were stuck in third place. They couldn't go up in the, the – the, they couldn't catch Jersey. Or they had a chance to catch Jersey. I mean, they, they had lost one crucial game, and it was a wrap. So it was pretty much cruise control at the number three seed in the in the, in the division. They got, and the crazy thing, they got off to the two nothing lead and they and they fell. Right. They fell at home by well, diverting that, to the veterans. And, and and on that point, because I know Scott and I have talked about this on the show, we got our coach last year. Mm-hmm. Lindy Ruff. There, there is no doubt. Do you agree, Scott? Lindy Ruff. That yeah. we they were down two nothing. That guy was making moves when they were up. You know, when they were even at two, when they were up three two, and and that goes back to what he was just saying. They're bouncing around a lot from there, and he was doing the team thing. But guess what? Sometimes, a lot of times, a player isn't good out of his natural position. It, it's not, again, I have to refer to baseball. It's not when you take a guy and you put him on first base and say, learn how to play first base, and they can adapt a little bit. Hockey is so much faster, and defensive responsibilities are so different from left side to right side. So I, I think we were totally outcoached, which had a lot to do with it. And then we beat two nothing leads in the last two playoffs. The Eastern Conference Final, we left two nothing at Tampa and do that too. So, yep. Scott, does this play more on the coaching? Is it is the player supposed to be? I guess what I'm asking, Scott, is, is the player supposed to be? I'm going to play wherever you put me to benefit the team, and then the coach doesn't recognize that it's not working. Is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, we, we, we've talked about that, and we said, like, you know, there's the balance between, okay, these guys were just absolutely dead in games 
four, five, and seven, not to mention the first period of game six, which could have gotten out of hand. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about the balance. Is that, okay, these are grown professional players. They shouldn't need a coach. It's not Little League. They should not need a coach to go into the locker room and start throwing shit across the room. On the other hand, what kind of blame do you put on the coach for not having them motivated? So I, I get that. But, yes, um, mm-hmm. what is not debatable is that, Gerard Gallant was outcoached by Lindy Ruff, and if you're going to get outcoached by Lindy Ruff in the playoffs, <laughs> that is a problem. Because going That's into this past year, Lindy Ruff was probably one of the worst playoff coaches in the history of the NHL. You know, there's a reason why he's like number two or three or whatever he is in regular season wins and hasn't won a Stanley Cup. You know, same thing with A.V. We saw it firsthand with A.V., uh, some of the head-scratching right. decisions he made that, you know, I, everybody's like, well, we made it to the finals with him. No, we made it to the finals in spite of him, and we may have won the Stanley yeah. Cup in 2014 if we had a better coach. Um, you know, there's a reason why these guys didn't you know, have have never won a cup, and um, you know, so yeah, if uh, if a guy like Gerard Gallant is getting out coached by Lindy Ruff in the playoffs, that's a problem. And Lindy Ruff made the adjustments adjustments he needed to make, and then it was uh, Gallant's turn to to hold serve to return serve, and he didn't, and he could not counter the moves that Lindy Ruff made, and that's a serious problem. Um, yeah, so there's definitely blame to go there. Was it worthy of him getting fired? That well, we 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 talked, we 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 beat that horse to death. No need, but whatever, it happened. Yeah. But yes, it was noticeable that Gerard Gallant was outcoached by a supposedly vastly inferior playoff coach, uh, and that is that is absolutely a problem. Yeah. And Steve, before we go on to the NHL, I have a question for you. Does this involves your guys? Yes or no, would you split up Truber and K. Andre Miller? It's been talked about a lot, and you're a huge Miller fan. I'm a huge Miller fan. What do you think? Would you split them up, or would you keep that core together? I would keep it together. So are we assuming that um, Lindgren and um, Fox are still together? Well, if you're not going to, right, if we're not going to break up Miller, uh, yeah, Miller and Truber, then I'm assuming we'd keep. Lindgren and Fox together, and then you go back down to Schneider and either Jones or Gustafson. So I'm thinking you're going to keep the third pairing in there unless unless people think Schneider should get bumped up. And then who would you bump down for the third pair? I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see – I don't see a way – okay, the answer to the question, I say keep them together because the reason why I say that, why would you split that up when, when you have that top four pairing – with Fox, Lindgren, Chuba, mm-hmm. and, and Miller, why break that up? Like, like it, it broke. I remember it got broke up because of injury. When Lindgren got hurt, and then you had to okay move guys around the lineup. Right. But when they're when they're healthy, why break that up? I I would not do that. I, I would love to get Glenn and Scott's thoughts on that as well. Or your thoughts too, RP. I'm not. I wouldn't. No, I really quick. I I don't. I, I don't know how you would break up the four. I think if you put Miller with Fox. Fox is going to have to play a little bit more defensive, which takes away from the offense. Miller, the same thing. With Lindgren and Truba, I don't want to call them the, the stay-home defensemen that Dan Girardi and Mark Stoll were, but in, in some capacity, that's how it is. You've got that one steadfast defenseman like Truba that's focusing on the D, and Miller can run with the puck up and down a little bit, and, and, and it works. And the same thing with Lindgren and, and Fox. But from an offensive standpoint, 
maybe you get a little bit more having Miller and Fox playing together. But will that take away from Fox's overall production? It it all depends That's on how Lafayette wants to play the, the, the scheme. If yeah. I, I, if if he has a scheme, he wants to be more offensive minded. He would take a lot of chance with the offensive minded uh, defenseman playing the majority of the skating time together. But I like the balance mm-hmm. between those two defense pairings yeah. better. But, but it all depends on what Lafayette wants to do. I, and that's why right. I pretty much say I keep it. I keep it. Go ahead. Um, you know, I would experiment in the preseason games with splitting them up. Uh, I think that uh, we can get more out of Keandre Miller uh, offensively uh, if he was playing with somebody who might be a little bit better defensively than, than uh, Truba thinking Schneider. Now, um, I, I don't remember – uh, who plays which side as far as Gustafson and Zach Jones and everything. So it may not be possible to split them up. Uh, but um, uh, I don't want to say I'm down on Truba a little bit, but um, now he, he seems to be on the ice for a lot of goals against. And I, and I think we can get more. Uh, we Keandre Miller showed we can get more offense out of him uh, where he might be better off with somebody who can, uh, you know, back him up a little bit. Uh, rather than, you know, put him up with Fox and have, you know, those guys kind of maybe taken away from each other's offense. Uh, but I, I don't remember now which, who plays what side and everything, and if that's even possible. The one thing I would do with Truba, though, is I would take him off the second power fight uh, and find someone else to, to play the point on there because, I mean, he just, uh, you know, it, it's not the 1980s. He, he just kind of stays at the blue line and just, uh, you know, <laughs> says slappers. Says slappers, uh, who knows where, to the net uh, every time he touches the puck on the power play, uh, and and the game is not like that anymore. So uh, I would like to see him taken off the second power play unit, uh, whether it's Keandre goes on there or Zach Jones or Gustafson, you know, a, kind of a power play specialist uh, defenseman as well. So uh, that's what I'd like to see. But I'd like to see some experimenting with splitting up Truba and Keandre, but. Looking at which, who plays what side and what uh, the defensive strengths and weaknesses are that we have as far as the bottom four or five defensemen, that may not be possible. Well, before we go to before we go to Scott, Gustafson, Miller, and um, Jones are all left defensemen, so that might make things a little yeah, that might things make things a little tough. But what, what do you think, Scott? Well, do that's what, break them. And I thought that too, but who was going to play right? Who was going to play right defense with Keandre? I, I thought they might have all mm-hmm. been left side. So it may not. That's yeah. why I was saying it may not be possible to put them up. Yeah. Um. You, you know, I, I'm not against breaking them up. Um. I think the one pair that we will all agree on, and, and I apologize if you wanted to field this question, but I think Fox and Lingreen is, is set in stone. I mean, yes, it sucks that we may be losing Lingreen, but that's another story. But I I, I think this pair, I, I, I'm okay with, with breaking them up because, you know, Truba is there to crush people. He's not the most solid defensively, and he's certainly, he's, he's you know, we it's funny because we brought him in to be the uh, the power play quarterback and to be the offensive guy. Um, and, and and since Fox obviously took over that role, um, Truba, you know, it's kind of almost forgotten that that he's got the offensive skills. So. And, and Miller has got a little bit of both, but Miller definitely took a step back last year. 
Um, and mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, he got that out of his system, and hopefully he's back to, to best form, and, and he could play when, 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 you know, if Miller materializes into what we think he, he, he could be and when he's shown signs of being able to be, he could be extremely solid on both ends because obviously with that long reach, he could track, you know, he could track you down and catch up to you and then just extend that stick 37 feet and knock the puck away. Problem is most of the ones that he was doing last year was because he gave the puck away in the first place. Um, so ho- hopefully, you know, he, he has gotten past that and got better. And we know that he could generate offense. So that being said, um, you know, I wouldn't mind, you know, you know, him being with someone, uh, you know, you know, maybe like, uh, well, I don't, I don't know yet what we're getting out of Zach Jones, but, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, somebody who is more of, of like a, a lingering type that, that where, where true, uh, where, where, where Miller can, you know, flex his muscles on the offense and you know, he's going to be great on defense as well. Um, so I, yeah, I wouldn't mind him being, um, you know, with a more solid defensive, uh, you know, stay-at-home defenseman, uh, per, you know, as long as he has taken the next step. And, and, and I'm totally okay with, with breaking up that uh, pattern. That doesn't necessarily say I want them broken up, but I would be open to it definitely because they're not as set in stone uh, to me as, uh, you know, as, as inseparable to me as Fox and Lindgren are. Okay. I like that. Can I ask a follow-up question to you, RP, on that? Before we go to NHL, I know we've got to go to NHL. But but so if you run into a situation like that when, let's say, one of them will get hurt, like Lindgren, then what do you do? See, I think that's probably my more question on the defense pairing. In the event, if somebody gets hurt, like when Lindgren got hurt for all those games, how do you adjust it? Where do you want to go from there to make up for – well, that's where Schneider might get a little bit more. You know, I'm I'm of two minds of it. You know, when, when you're forced into an injury, it's something else. When a player goes down, it's like when Lindgren goes down, you got to do or or feel out and and do different combinations to find others that work. So if a guy like Lindgren goes down, Fox's production I thought dropped a lot last last year. Everyone noticed that, and that was because he was concentrating so much more defensively because he didn't have his partner next to him. You know, it's a chemistry like forwards. Fox is very comfortable when Lindgren's out there. Fox knows that he does something where Lindgren's going to be, and vice versa, and that's why it works so well. It works well offensively, too. A lot of Lindgren's goals are the result of Fox making a play and, and Lindgren being in there and scoring. So I think if a defenseman goes down, that's what they, I think, from a depth standpoint, you, you need to you need to have seven quality defensemen up, and the Rangers have struggled with that over the years. So, you know, we thought Jones was going to be there, and it didn't really work out, and Schneider came in, and I thought played an incredible role on on that third pair. But where do you put these? If you put Schneider into the top four defensemen, who's the guy that comes down? Do you take – how could you take Kruber and put him to the third line pair? Because like we said, he may not be playing great defense, but his hitting – that's the tone for a lot of these games, and you need to have uh-huh. them on the ice. So I think it's, I think it's, it's a double-edged sword. You know, I can see them not getting Schroeder as much ice time. He does make mistakes and has miscues. But on the flip side, when you want someone to change the tempo of a game, the man can throw a clean body shot like no one else. You know, uh-huh. you see Schroeder throw a hit, and I immediately think of Ken Donico and Scott Stevens back in the day. I mean, 
Scott Stevens is a great defenseman, but the man can throw the body. Open ice, crushing checks, clean. And you know what happens in third period of a hockey game? Now the forwards are looking up. Well, here comes Struble. Well, here comes Scott Stevens. And you need that. So I don't see them moving him down. But the flip side to it is maybe Miller and Kruber just aren't playing well. Not for any reason. Just, look, it's like any line combination, right, guys? We see a lot not a lot We've seen Gallant and, and other coaches. Once in a while, i got to put the kid line back together. Once in a while, Cockle's got to get off that line. i got to move Lafreniere to another spot. Well, it's the same thing with defensemen. But defensemen teams, because there aren't as many options, you're looking at only six guys as opposed to 12 forwards. There's not a lot of moves, combinations that you can make. But I, I think, personally, I, I think on the power play, Miller and, and Fox need to see even more ice time. I don't like the forward on the point position. Not when you've got a Miller and a Fox up there that are so good offensively. Schneider, very good offensively. I don't know if they need to be doing that, that forward on top of it. It kind of hurts the shorthanded opportunity. That keeps the puck out of their end a little bit more because a guy like Panarin isn't as good at keeping the puck in on the blue line. I mean, you can't compare him to Fox. He's so good at it. But other defensemen that are good enough to keep the puck in. But I, I think you seeing an experiment, and, and I like Lynn's idea, maybe in the preseason, they break the lines up. Let's just see different defensive pairings. We know what we have now, and we know what we've had the last two, three seasons. So can it hurt in preseason and mix it up? Even even prepare for an injury, like you were saying, Steve. Even, okay, someone got hurt. Well, we did this in preseason, and it worked. So let's give it a shot. But I think you got to keep your options open. I think the mentality needs to change within – the coaching staff and the players that everything is locked in the way it has been. But let's be realistic. It hasn't worked. We haven't won a cup. So to me, nothing's etched in stone other than just starting starting all the time. Anything can move around on the D, on the forward. So I, I'm open to anything right now as long as it's productive and successful. So that, that's just my theory on it. Okay. Ooh. I guess uh, we'll move on to the rest of the to the league. I guess, huh? Um, so, RP, why do you hate the shootouts? <laughs> I can't see a team making or not making the playoffs for a competition that they used to do at the end of practice to decide who buys beers. Number one, number two, it is totally advantageous to the shooter. These guys are great: Connor McDavid, Drysdale, Crosby. These guys are great at shooting the puck when there's no pressure on them. You know, it's, everyone says, oh, it's like a breakaway. It's not like a breakaway because when you're skating down the ice, the guy's chasing you from behind, you get pressured, you think a little bit more, you don't pay attention, the puck rolls off your stick, you shoot wide, whatever. When you're coming down on a shootout and there's no one behind you and you can go one mile an hour all the way to the goalie and do all these Michigans and rapid dazzles and all this shit, I don't understand how they can – let that determine how a team makes the playoffs. One team, a couple of, it's the range of a couple of seasons ago, were incredible in, in the shootouts and getting 10, 12 extra points that they wouldn't have had, and that's what they're going to play off. So my, my thinking is, one, I would extend overtime three, four more minutes, and then if it doesn't happen, I know no one likes it, they can go back to the tie. Mm-hmm. Or, you don't, or, or you just don't give them the other points. So each team only gets one point for that game, and they don't get two. Uh, you know, you, you got to, you know, this theory that Gary Bateman says the fans love the shootout. 
is he talking to the fans? Because I, you know, I'm talking with a lot of them. They're not really fond of the shootout. It changes the whole perception of the game. This isn't soccer on penalty kicks, which has been in that sport since its entirety practically. The shootout changes the game too much. I'd rather see them extend overtime. They're going to get tired. Someone's going to score on three on three. If they can't keep it in five minutes, you can give them nine minutes. It, it's going to happen. And at least there it's a little bit more, even though it's three on three, at least it's more hockey. The, the shootout to me just favors the shooters greatly over the goal line. And that's my thinking on it. And I've never liked it. I've written about it. I've bitched <laughs> about it. It doesn't get me anywhere. But, you know, my view hasn't changed on it. Right, right, I get Scott, it. Glenn, 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 Scott, yeah, Glenn Scott, yeah. Um, well, I, I got a couple of things to say about that. Um, I, I, the shootout was fun in the beginning. It was something different. It was a novelty. But, yeah, I think that's worn off a long time ago. If you if you ask me about shootouts, the the most memorable shootout to me was Marek Malik uh, that uh, scored oh, yeah, in, like, the... Yeah, like uh, like fifteen, <laughs> seventeen years ago. Uh, that that's the one shootout that's most memorable to me. So you know, I that's can the do that as well. I remember that. Yeah. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't have I don't have any problems with with ties. I never did. Um, I'm gonna point something out here. Uh, I just pulled up the standings from last year to support uh, RP's point. Uh, Carolina in shootouts last year went four and three. Devils went two and four. That's the difference between who came in first and who came in second. And if the Devils came in first, then we wouldn't have caught them in the first round, and it could have changed the whole complexion of the playoffs. So uh, RP is is totally right. The shootout has such implications. The the the, the standings are so tight uh, that one point, two points makes a whole difference of where you come in and and what the matchups are in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, like you say, it's something that, you know, you would do uh, for fun at the end of a practice. So I would not be sorry to see it go. The other thing that I will mention to uh, uh, to RP's point is we were talking about uh, uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl. Would you guess that Edmonton was 0-4 in shootouts last year? <laughs> I'm just <laughs> looking at it. So, so, so there goes the, the wow. you know, McDavid-Dreisaitl uh would you believe right. that? I can't. I can't. Believe, I could believe it when I pulled it up. I figured they were going to be like six and one. They were zero and four. So uh, wow. you know, and and that was and that was the difference with them in Vegas because Vegas went five and four. They went zero and four, and uh, Vegas beat them by two points. points. So right. So the implications, the implications in the standings and for the playoffs are, are just too critical to have it based on you know points that come from a shootout. So. I would not be sorry to see it go as well. Hey, Glenn, can I ask you a quick question before we go to Scott? So you brought yes, up sir. great points. You brought up great points as far as we have top-heavy scoring. You would think they had the advantage in the shootouts. So right. since the, the rules are what they are, do you think it's pretty much more on the responsibility of the general manager to construct a roster for maybe five or six games to have – guys who could deliver on shootouts? Or do you think that's something you say, ah, whatever? Well, I mean, I, I would say that in Edmonton, the general manager has two the two best players in the league that you would think would have the advantage in a shootout, and it didn't work out that way last year. So I don't know how you could even do that. 
um, you know, to, to uh, you know, to, I mean, it goes to the argument a little bit too, you know, not to go back to the Yankees that are, or, or, you know, other teams as well, where they say, is the team built for the regular season or is the team built for the playoffs? Uh, I mean, are you going to build your team to win shootouts? They don't happen that often, and, and I don't know that you can really guarantee it uh, with Edmonton being an example here. I mean, some teams only had two shootouts all year. So I, I don't think that's something that the general manager could take into consideration. Yeah, I would like – you know what? I need to do the research. Maybe I'll bring that up maybe in a future episode before the start of the regular season. I may have to go back a few years to see some of these records – in the regular yeah, season with the shootouts. So we need that a more bigger sample size to really look into this. Yeah. Because you bring mm-hmm. up a good point because that was the difference between Carolina and um and Jersey. Or yeah. or the other two teams. Like it it it, it really did determine playoff position. Yeah, it really did determine yeah. playoff position and, and a Stanley Cup winner. <laughs> I mean I Absolutely. think it's, right. it's a fair way to look into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean the Rangers had thirteen overtime losses last year. And the only team more than that was Dallas had 14. Calgary had 17. So, 13 overtime losses, that was 13 points lost in the shootout that they could have had. Yep. So, that just tells me either, you know, in, in regards to Edmonton, they had Gorgiev had 40 wins last year and still lost those games. It, I, I don't know. Scott, do you think going to a different point system would be better than a shootout? You know, three for a regulation oh. win and two for any sort of overtime win? Oh, absolutely. I've been a big proponent of that. Um, so, so first of all, regarding the shootout, I agree. It's time to go. It, it, it served its purpose. It got butts back in the seats. It, it added a new dynamic to the game. It's exciting. It's still exciting, sure. Um but it, it, it served its purpose. It's time to go. Um, you absolutely have to get rid of the uh, – do something about the, the, the point system. First of all, get rid of the loser's point. Don't forget, the loser's point, the participation trophy point, whatever you want to call it, was instituted <laughs> back when um, I believe the 99 season. You know, up until the 99 season – Overtime was five on five, and you know 98% of them ended in a tie. So in the 99 season, they did two things. They made it. That's when they first made it four on four, and that's when they added the losers point in an attempt to let make teams be a little more balls out, a little more you know make them make the overtimes a little more exciting, try and generate some goals, knowing that if you you know took a chance and went balls out and it didn't work and the other team came down or two on one end of the game, you still got your point. So that was the purpose of that. But now that it's three on three, you don't need the loser's point to encourage offense because there's no such thing as playing conservative three on three. It it just can't be done. So, you know, you got a lot of goal, a lot of games ending in the three-on-three. So get rid of the, the, the loser's point, first of all, because you don't need it anymore because there's no such thing as conservative play. It's, it's a free-for-all. It's great. It's exciting. And it somewhat resembles real hockey, unlike the, uh, unlike the shootout. Um, get rid of that point. And as far as, as, as ties go, so I'm in favor of getting rid of the shootout completely. I want to make the overtime – Ten minutes um, in the unlikely event that a goal is not scored in three on three in ten minutes because it's going to happen. Um, I, I think you're probably going to have nine out of ten of them end. Uh, at, you know, as is, if you, you know, there's got to be a goal in ten minutes of three on three. But in the unlikely event it doesn't happen, call it a tie. Both teams earned the tie. You earn each team earned that point after you know. Right. 
or, 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 or you could look at it either way. You could say both teams earned the point by not scoring a goal in 10 minutes, three on three, or you could say that neither team really deserved to win. Either way, mm-hmm. you earn mm-hmm. the tie. So that eliminates, you know, they, they know the shootout needs to go by when they took it out of the regular standings. When they, when they had to separate the win, you know, the tiebreaker, you know, and take mm-hmm. it out of the first tiebreaker and just call it the row wins, the regulation and overtime wins, when it's no longer carries the weight of a regular two points in, in the tiebreaker, then they, the league obviously knows it, it, it's, 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 uh, it's had its time and, and it's served its purpose. Um, you know, that being said, and, and on top point. of that, I would even make a regulation win three, three points, uh, you know, give a little incentive there for, for a little more uh, bonus for winning it there. But the, bar- the, 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 losers tro- the, loose, the, the loser's point, what it does is it's killing the late season, um, I was about to say pennant races, but you know what I mean, the, the late season playoff races. <laughs> because now, right. you, you know, with, 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 with every team getting three, you know, with three points being given out on every night, we, you know, if you've if you got – 10, 15 games to go, and you're only like eight points back, but you got to climb over like three teams. It's just not going to happen when teams are losing games but still getting a point and keeping you at bay. It, it mm-hmm. takes away right. from the integrity of those late-season playoff runs. So that, mm-hmm. that's my solution there. Dump the, dump the, dump the point, dump the shootout, 10-minute three-on-three, and if it doesn't happen after that, each team earns their point. Call, call it a night. I like that. I definitely like that idea. But so, do you have an you issue? You got to wait for the NHL, Scott. That's a good idea, man. So, so you want to keep the three-on-three? Because three? I thought you also had an issue with the three-on-three, three too, RP, or no? No, no. The three-on-three, three, I think they just need to extend the overtime. And then if no one wins, you well, see, the reason why all this started is people were complaining they were paying all this money to go to a hockey game and there was no winner. That's why the shootout came into effect. Because when right. I went and, to the five-on-five five in overtime and nobody was winning and scoring, it was still a tie, and fans were still complaining uh, and spending $100 for a ticket, and no one wins. But you want to know something? So this is between the one point and the two point kept the integrity of the game itself at a higher level. So mm-hmm. I just think if you're going to keep the three-on-three because you want to get a winner, that's great. But five minutes sometimes isn't enough. So make it ten, make it nine. Yeah, it interferes with okay. TV. It interferes with more commercials and, and all of that. I, I get all of that, but isn't the integrity of the hockey game itself more important than the television? And don't get me wrong, if the NHL changed it, ESPN and TNT wouldn't say anything about it. They'd get a little bit more commercial if they do a commercial in there, and if they didn't, well, then it's just a few more minutes of time on on, on air. You know, cut the post-game crap then if you had to. But <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I agree with everything Scott said. That Those are all great points. And at the end of the day, it's about the game. It's about yeah, um, how you get to the playoffs. You make them earn it. Right, right. I get it. No, because, you know, I thought when they brought those rules in, they also wanted to cut the time on the actual game. But, yeah, I mean, listen, I don't have an issue with what Scott said. I like that idea a lot. And maybe that should be proposed because I thought it was a combination of uh, getting – Finishing the game and finishing the game at a reasonable time. They didn't want to hold like a whole bunch of overtimes and stuff like that. I mean, not that that mm-hmm. happens, but it happens every every now and then. They didn't want long drawn all games yeah. in the regular season. But nonetheless, Scott has the solution that I'm actually cool for. I don't the shootouts don't necessarily bother me, but I understand the reason what you're saying, guys, as far as you know, earning the points and earning it 
in the situation where you probably extend the minutes in the overtime. I actually like that idea, Scott. I, I, that's cool. I like that. And, and, don't, and from a time-wise, Steve, isn't it the same thing? If you play the five minutes overtime with the whistles and all, what does it go, nine or eight, nine minutes in total? Now no one wins. Now you got to shoot out set up. you got to have six shooters go. Sometimes it's eight or ten shooters go. So time-wise, on air, isn't it the same as just having a ten-minute overtime? Their problem is they don't want the tie. Their problem is right, they right. after 10 minutes. After 10 minutes, now you have a tie. So what? You have a tie. It was for 80 years in the NHL, 70 years in the NHL, that we had ties. And, you know, those lost points affected if you made the playoffs or not. When here, what Scott said was right. If you're chasing teams and you're getting, and they're getting a point and a point and a point, it's hard to catch them. It takes away from the chase. I mean, honestly, the 8th place team, uh, the 11th place team, leapfrog a bunch of teams and put some pressure on them and make those last five games for the playoffs really something valuable. And if you keep getting, you know, because now teams are playing for the points. You get to four minutes in a game. I'm not trying to get the win. I need that one point. Here. Let's get the overtime. And now I've got the right. one point locked up. I think you got to make it. Yeah. You have to make it more competitive. Yeah, I feel you. It's very frustrating for, as a fan for a team that's trying to, to catch up in the last month of the season. And you, you win your game, and you got two teams ahead of you. One one gets two points, one gets one point, And you're like, you know, what is it going to take for me to, to catch up here? So, um, I mean, I think it's very frustrating to, like you say, all those, you know, with both teams getting that loser's point. I totally agree with Scott on that one. And there's that other stat, you know, you, you'll hear like Sam Rosen say, well, the Rangers have gotten points in – in eight straight games. Yeah, but four of them are overtime losses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? It's not like back yep. in the day when a team got points in eight straight games and it was 16 points in the standing. It wasn't, you know, 10 points and I got some overtime losses and this and that. It, it, it just doesn't, that-wise, it doesn't make sense. You know, that's why it's got the team with regulation wins. Can you arrange you're going to count regulation wins for the uh, playoffs. What was that, Glenn? Can you arrange Gary Bettman for the uh, podcast two weeks after Colin Stevens? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll, I'll talk to Colin see if he knows anybody that can help us out. I probably got a better chance of getting Vince and Molly Walker on, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have an issue with it. I don't have an issue with that at all. The way you guys presented it, I think that's probably a, a better alternative. I was going to suggest one thing, but that's crazy because we're talking about earning your points. I was going to say something along the lines of if you went into an overtime situation, but it's really about earning at the end of the day. And I think that's the issue why you have the point system. I don't want to give an extra point just because you win in overtime because you're the home team, you're rewarded. No, you got to earn your keeps. So I'm with you. You got it right. And and, and if that's game, look at the Rangers. Who never takes a shootout? Chris Kreider, because he's stuck on breakaway, mm-hmm. but he's a 30 mm-hmm. goal scorer guy during the game. Now you're taking that offensive threat out because that's not his game. So, and, and I'm sure that's on, on a lot of the teams. There are guys that just aren't good on breakaway. They're just Kreider's, and he says it. When they go to shootout, Kreider sticks at the end of the bench with the back of goalies. I've seen yep. him taking the shootout maybe twice, three times, and he's gone down the line, you know, 10 rounds in. He's like, all right, you got to go take it. And you see the guys on the bench laughing because they know how he sucks in practice at a shootout. So 
doesn't that take away from the integrity of what the game's supposed to be about? If the play is the last thing about it, I, I, I don't understand it. Let's go back to baseball, guys. It's like an extra innings putting a guy on second base. One, to make the game go faster, you're taking away the integrity of the game. You already put a, a clock in for pitch counts and all of that garbage. Why are we playing a little league baseball in a multi-billion dollar business? To be done in a better way to make the game itself better. You know, if you, if you do it the way Scott said it, regulation is so important now. You, you want to get that W in regulation. It makes the game, that 60 minutes, a lot more valuable, I think. And that's what I got to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, anything else you'd like to ask, Scott, before I guess we go around for final thoughts, Scott, or anything you like that? Um, no, I do appreciate the, uh, uh, Forrest Gump reference there, RP. I don't think I didn't pick up on that and place that accurately. Um, I gotta give you credit where it's due. Um, I don't know, final thoughts? Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm really excited. Um, if anyone's wondering, I have, uh, airfare and hotel booked for Winnipeg, October 30th, and that will be the, uh, final Canadian city that I have not seen the Rangers in. Uh, so the uh, the wow. good news is they're supposed to be terrible, uh, Winnipeg. The bad news is I've seen <laughs> the Rangers at a terrible Ottawa four times and lost all four. So that <laughs> what, what, what Winnipeg is putting so on the ice is completely chance. irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, but uh, overall my Canadian record is, is good. My uh, formerly one and seven in Montreal is now five and seven. That's right. You probably uh, may have noticed Ooh. that the Rangers are on a four-game win streak at the Bell, Ooh. and I've been to all of them. Um, three and zero in Calgary, one and zero in Toronto, and one and one in Edmonton. So overall, I think I'm still above five hundred. Uh, our friends to the north, but uh, Halloween, I'll be rocking the Pennywise. Uh, looking for looking for a ticket on the glass because I've seen on uh, on Take Pick they seem to be going for a hundred and fifty dollars on the glass. And I'm not usually a sit on the glass kind of guy because you know the novelty of the dudes smacking each other right in front of your face that wears off when the puck goes down to the other end and you have no idea what's going on. So, um, yep, yep. But, uh, right. you know, since $150 right. uh, will, you know, will, will get us in the upper 200s at MSG, I think I'll take it on the glass because that ain't going to happen again. So uh, that'll be that. So that's where I'm at. Good to be back. Good to have you back. Thank you. What do you got? All right, Sean. Well, well, first, of all, I want to commend Scott on that very well-prepared and well-thought-out uh, presentation about the shootout, and I'm wondering if uh, he came up with that while he was uh, sitting on the beach in Aruba drinking, uh, in a, drinking <laughs> out of a pineapple with the Caribbean Sea lapping his feet. Uh, <laughs> what a view. What a picture it was. <laughs> yeah, because, I, I saw, you know, if I, I have to sit there pictures, and... If I got to sit there and I, suffer I thought, on a 95-degree Caribbean beach, I'm dreaming about uh, ice. <laughs> Thinking about shootouts, right. Um, now, the one thing I wanted to throw out there, maybe we could talk about it as a, as a side issue uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, I don't know how closely you guys have been following the whole thing with the uh, Penn Station and the uh, uh, lease for Madison Square Garden, but uh, apparently it was uh, the, the 50-year lease, that was a 10-year lease after that, has now been reduced to a five-year lease uh, with the ongoing uh, work that they're 
uh, talking about doing with uh, Penn Station and uh, all that talk about them, uh, Dolan maybe having to uh, build a new garden uh, across 7th Avenue, uh, you know, on the other side between 34th and 33rd Street. So I don't know how much uh, fans or you guys have been following that, but I have. And uh, I think it's kind of interesting and maybe, you know, when it gets a little more concrete what's going on, we can talk about that. Dolan is not much. Dolan is not budging, man. He's been saying nope. every time, no, nope. no, 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 no. Nope. He, that's, that's, city council people, city that's, council that's people have saying. been coming up, to him. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. This comes up every few years. I mean, James Dolan just put a billion dollars into that building. And James Dolan yeah. is one of the richest, most powerful, whitest men in New York City. He's going to get his way. He's going to pay off whoever on the city council, because we know that council is easily for sale. So he's going to pay off whoever he needs to pay off. And then Madison Square Garden is not going anywhere. My favorite is the uh, the Islanders and the, and the Devils fans who are that stupid. Stupid that they think like they're they're going to get kicked out of Manhattan. Like 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 think about this. Just just stop. Are, are you saying that the New York Rangers and New York Knicks will not be playing in New York City? Are you insane? Yeah. <laughs> the Knicks the Knicks and yeah, Rangers are not going to Flushing. They trust me. One way or the other, they will stay in Manhattan where they are. And James Dolan is getting his way, and that garden ain't going anywhere. I know it's like the fifth one, but yeah, he just put so much money into that; it ain't going anywhere. He will get his way. I agree. So I guess that was my final thought. Sorry. Yeah, oh, okay. I'm, I'm sorry, but is it my turn for final thoughts? Mine's going to be yeah, real quick. Yeah, it's, it's my turn. Uh, then, then you're last. I go. I'll go, and then it's your oh, no. turn. Oh no! You want me to go last? Okay, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my final thoughts. Great episode, guys. On the um, Looking at the defenseman, uh, Lafreniere gets his uh, contract, and uh, we'll talk about this in September the 12th when we come back, right, RP? Uh, we'll have yes, the, the conversation on that episode, and, and we'll talk about that. Scott, I'm going to just throw a little something at you. Um, I don't think I'm doing fantasy football this year, but however, I am probably going to join some fantasy hockey league. I don't know if you guys are into the fantasy hockey you know, looking at as far as draft strategies on who should I draft, like more like maybe later in the first round, second round, you know, Eric Carlson, now who's on the Pittsburgh Penguins, is that a possible sleeper? Or Kale McCarr, another defenseman who gets you a lot of, um, uh, uh, you know, goals from the defenseman position. Uh, we don't, saw Jack Hughes, you know, definitely climb up the rankings. We already know, like, Elias Peter, Pedersen and, and Pastor Knock, who had a monster year last year, Austin Matthews, we know the main – Conor McDavis, we know the main guys. Shostark is the top 30 guy for a goalie, huh? You know, I mean, we didn't really bring his name up tonight, Scott. So, fantasy hockey, Scott, any thoughts you, uh, as far – are you doing any right, – Glenn, RP, you guys doing no. any fantasy hockey? All right, I don't know you – some of you guys are old school, but, you know, what are your thoughts? Uh, I am not – I'm not into it. Really, I, I do three fantasy football leagues, and and um, that's enough. <laughs> and that's that, you know, and, that, and that's doing it once, maybe twice a week. I gotta touch it. Uh, I tried fantasy mm-hmm. hockey once, just too much every day with the roster. Yeah. I just couldn't really get into it, and I'm especially not gonna get into it while I've got three fantasy football leagues going on. So it's not really my cup of tea. <laughs> I'm a little shocked. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same way. It, fantasy hockey was fun, but it's every day. 
It's following every team's injury reports, and I'm on Rotowire the whole time looking who's starting this, that. It was just too much. It's great. I love it as a hockey fan. All I get to, it's fun because you get to follow a lot of players around the NHL. But the flip side to it is, you know, if you don't follow it for two or three days for some reason, you, you just get killed that entire week. So, yeah, I yep. haven't done it. I didn't do fantasy football this year either. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try to write. <laughs> That's hard enough right now. Well, I've been, I've been doing hockey, uh, fantasy baseball for the last couple of years, but I've been doing hockey, uh, fantasy hockey for about twenty. Um, Woo! And <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, Usually, what I well, you know what, left wing lock has a has a uh, a package for like ten ninety nine or something like that that I uh, get every year uh, that goes through all kinds of uh, uh, different uh, me- mechanisms and, and analysis and everything else and kind of gives uh, you know uh, projections on what they're looking at guys to do. Sometimes it's very good. Sometimes it's really not. So. That would be something I would I would say to look at. My philosophy, really, when I go in, with, and it depends how many teams are in your league. My my league started with fourteen, and it was too many because somebody got hurt or said there was nobody left. Uh, now my right. league is down to ten. <laughs> now my league, seriously, if your goalie got hurt, you're in trouble because there, there's only backups left. So, That's uh, right. I mean, right. I I, dra- I draft three goalies, uh, worried about injury because goalies always have injuries. Uh, sometimes you, you can find a guy who, who gets hot, like uh, Ladard uh, did last year in Calgary or uh, uh, Peterson in L.A. the year before that. Uh, so during the course of the season, you can find a guy. You better jump on him. Uh, that's why I'm up to 115 every night watching hockey because uh, I'm, I'm sometimes <laughs> making decisions at that time from what I've seen from the West Coast games, you know. I'm dropping guys and picking guys up. Um, but my philosophy is basically my first three picks, I try to get a top goalie, uh, a not necessarily top tier scorer, although I did get past Mac last year and I got lucky, um, and a top defenseman. That, and I'm, I'm always looking for power play points. Um, and, uh, you know, it depends on what categories your, your league is, is counting. Uh, but I'm always looking for power play points. They're a premium. Uh, and I always try to get myself a, a very good goalie, uh, defenseman, and scorer uh, with my first three picks, and then I kind of go from there. Uh, last yeah. year was a disaster. You know, last year I didn't. I was like, you know what? And mine, mine is, I don't know how yours goes, but mine is by, uh, it's by auction. And you have a salary cap. You have $200. So, uh, you know, if you really want a guy, you can get bidding with somebody. And, and, you know, the price can just keep going up. But you can get your guy if you really want him that bad. It's not like uh, where it just goes, you know, team one picks, team two picks, team three picks, and if your guy goes too bad, he's gone. Uh, so mine is a different way. It's an, it's an auction, so you can get your guy if you want to pay, uh, you know, enough to get him. Uh, but last year I decided, you know what, I'm going to, you know, concentrate more on scoring and, and that kind of stuff, and I'm going to go with, like, second-tier goalies. So I took, like – uh, uh, Darcy Kemper and Jerry and uh, I forget who I took somebody else and it didn't really work out so I, I think you want to get yourself a top goalie and usually I try to make that you know if n- n- not my first pick I usually go for a scorer first pick goalie second pick and then a good defenseman third pick but 
again, it depends on how many teams are in your league that you go in. Because if you've got 14 teams right. and you're picking toward the end of the third round, you're not going to get Kale McCall or Adam Fox. So, you know, you've right. got to decide which way you want to go. But, I mean, I, if you want to talk offline about that, some Prodigy, we can do that. But no, I, I would look at no, left-wing lock. No, no, I would I look at left-wing lock. Hold on, Glenn. I was just bringing it up for the fact that um, – I'm probably going to attack it then football. I'm just going to watch football, maybe do some pickums oh, here and okay. there, do it on a, on oh, a round okay. table show on football. But the hockey is going to keep me entertained more. Uh, I was looking at some of these rankings, uh, different, uh, you know, mm-hmm. TSN, how they rank them and Yahoo and all that. And I, was, you know, I don't want to start a fireball, man. The fact that Tyre Toffoli is right behind Artemi Panera and a lot of these boards, that's not good for, you know, Artemi Panera's value. But that neither here nor there. I don't want to start <laughs> – Fire and piss you guys off and have nightmares. So those are my final thoughts. Yeah, that was good talk to you guys on that. And then RP, you can give us your final thoughts and we'll close out. And I, my, my final thoughts are three dates. The 12th next week, uh, in two weeks with Colin Stevenson. It's going to be great. Spread the word around. Let everybody know. Try to make it a really great show. I'm sure it will be. September 15th and 16th in Lehigh Valley is the Philadelphia Flyer rookies against the New York Ranger rookies. Um, I went to that game. Last year, it was a blast. Tickets are really cheap. Parking is really cheap. And the beer is really cheap. So I'm going to try to do the Friday game because I have a big star event on Saturday. But I am not sure yet. And September 24th, preseason kicks off against the Bruins. It's all within a month now, guys. We're getting down to the fun part. So keep following me on Ranger Proud, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And keep following my writing all on Empire Sports Media. We've got a big team of about five of us now writing, so there's a lot of good articles coming out. All the articles hit my Facebook Ranger Proud page, so I appreciate the support. I appreciate the views, and uh, I'll see you guys in two weeks. All right, guys, signing off. We'll see you in a few weeks. Enjoy the Labor Day week break, and check out all the rest of the episodes, hockey and the rest of the sports. Signing off, ladies and gentlemen. We blue. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it?